You're listening to the Dive Bomb Podcast. G'day and welcome to episode 61 of the Dive Bomb Podcast. We are here through the smog, through the smoke here in Canada, and uh, we are ready to bring you our review of the uh, Spanish Grand Prix for 2023, and we are crossing our fingers and crossing our toes that this weather will be behind us soon, and we will be going to Montreal next week live in person for our second year running to have uh, boots on the ground from the Dive Bomb podcast. So here as always, or here back again with... All, both of my almost co-hosts. always. <laughs> yeah, almost always. Pretty much always. And if not, we're always here in spirit. But um, back in the flesh with my two co-hosts. James, I'll start with you. How's it going? How's your week? Uh, good. I just want to also say this episode is sponsored by Heineken 0.0%. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're, you're going to be uh, edited on to a scooter and <laughs> driven into Montreal. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're doing well. Good. Just good. trying to stay inside with all the... The smoke. It's actually not that bad right now, but it's not too bad. It's not clearing up and true. things are yeah. I know they'll this probably as be... of seven PM on a Wednesday evening. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, for everyone listening, we're about a week and a bit out from Grand Prix weekend here in Canada, which is our home race, and uh we're gonna be heading to Montreal next week. So right now there's a little bit of uh a lot of forest fires going on here and obviously you know, with Imola being cancelled uh, a couple of rounds ago, there's a lot of talk about the climate and everything like that. So we're really hoping that things get better here in the next, you know, four or five days and that everything can be, uh, can be a, a go ahead. But, you know, if you guys need any updates on how the weather is in Canada in the next couple of days, be sure to reach out on our Instagram and we can give you some live updates. And hopefully, like I said, everything, uh, everything will go as planned and uh, we'll be able to go down to our second year in a row so and uh back over to you Varun good little pod last week quick pod yeah. but we've heard some good feedback from it so uh how are you doing this week good yeah just uh going through the flashbacks of my homeland the smog and everything <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. actually crazy like going outside it's like the first thing I think of is just like whenever I visited India this is like the exact smell just like campfire creosote or like whatever it's called <laughs> just pollution smoke from what I hear <laughs> too it's uh, a lot of, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't mean to sound a certain way, but like in China as well, Beijing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like they, they have a lot of factories like this. Mexico is, city. Yeah. There's a lot of Just places like around the world. And, uh, yeah. Pollution. Yeah. Fa- factories and pollution. Like I feel like we're very, uh, privileged in Canada that we don't normally have these kind of things happen. Yeah. So it's, it's scary for people that haven't really dealt with it and especially, you know, when we definitely want to be going to the Grand Prix next week, uh, it's a little scary. But hopefully, yeah, like I said, things are getting better. So hopefully uh, we can we can get the fires under control and everyone's safe. And for our fellow Canadians out there listening, I hope you guys are all doing well as well. And hopefully we can all be enjoying the Grand Prix next week. And uh, I don't know. I don't know any of the, like, reason for the fires. So hopefully whatever it is, like, keep our fire bands up. We don't need campfires because it's not worth it. Parents <laughs> usually just, like, lightning. Like lightning and like really remote forests will just like start a little fire. Yeah, could be. But some of them are like because of humans. Like yeah. you'll throw your cigarette butt out on a hike, and next thing you know, like half your province is burned down thanks to you. Yeah. If, 
smoking wasn't bad enough for just yourself, and now you're going burning down the whole. Yeah. There's your dive. There's no your... one. No one smokes in Quebec, though. No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> not at all. No, you only have to be 18 to smoke, but no one does it. Uh, but there's your dive bomb tip of the week. Don't be throwing your cigarette butts out uh, in the wild. Or at least give them a little spritz, you know. Like, yeah. Make sure it's out. It's exactly. Least. Give a little stomp into the cement. So, anyways, we digress, but. Talk about we're here obviously to chat about the Spanish Grand Prix this past weekend. Uh, it was a highly anticipated Grand Prix in my opinion as uh, the first Grand Prix of the year where we were really able to see what the upgrades did for all these teams, all the big teams that are fighting and looking to fight for the podium positions. Uh, so we we did see a lot of flip flopping this weekend. I think it's also a track that you know normally F one goes and tests on or has tested on a lot in the past. So it's a good representative track as to what we're going to see pace-wise up and down the grid. It's normally one where you get a pretty good idea of where you fall uh, when it comes to your pace on, you know, qualities and then also on the Sunday. So, uh, yeah, really exciting. And then we also had a change to the to the circuit this year with the chicane in the last sector heading into the last turn being removed and uh, made that last turn a lot more high speed. And also uh, with that last turn being heading into the long straight uh, into turn one, we we looked for uh, more overtakes as well. So uh, really exciting. And I think it made for uh, a, a really, you know, more exciting weekend and a lot more overtakes than we've seen in the past in Spain. So that's where I want to start our conversation today, lads. And that's getting just getting your overall thoughts on the new layout and also just overall thoughts of like the overtaking or the changes or the, the speed that you saw this weekend. I, I definitely... You know, I won't take away too much of your thunder, but I'll just say I liked it. It felt a lot faster um, this weekend. And obviously we saw that with a lot of the times on Saturday and then with a lot of the uh, action we saw on Sunday as well. So uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I felt like just from the Sunday alone, you can see how much more overtaking it was and just more. It was just better racing. It's also nice that, that it's a home race for the two Spanish studs. Yep. So that also adds yeah, to watching them like stand for the anthem. Yeah, and then that? there's all the cons not the conspiracies, but all the theories that like Fernando's going to get his thirty third win, and all, uh, there was I I forgot all the issues or it, it reasons was like why thirty third win June third. On... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or does that make sense? Was it June third? There's something like that. It was like it had something to do with the date twenty twenty three and plus six nine whatever it ended up, <laughs> but it it, it was. A bunch of funny stuff building up to it. I loved it. And like you said, the, the new turn added better race on Sunday. So, yeah, I, I think it was the move that they needed to be done. Yeah, for sure. It's been, I think, one of the tougher parts to watch in in years past. It really slowed things down. Like having a chicane going into a DRS zone is like, to me, it's totally counterintuitive you wanna, if you want overtaking. So, uh, yeah, what do you think, Varun? Yeah, same. Like, um, I think just... Uh, Spain is usually a circuit where we don't see a lot of overtaking and they mentioned it during the broadcast that like we we had a ton um, like way more than what we normally get so clearly yeah it's been a change from what we were used to at this circuit yeah for sure and we also see that um, like we were seeing overtaking up and down the grid and we're seeing it in, in a year where uh, you know we've we've talked about it in past episodes of this season but it actually has been a lot harder to follow uh, and make overtakes, uh, complete overtakes this season where, you know, they really uh, clamp down on the porpoising, but in turn, that's really made it a lot harder on the tires. 
for whatever reason. Obviously, we're not scientists, but it's just facts that we haven't seen a lot of uh, as close racing this season as maybe we did last season. Um, but yeah, I think this was a really good sign that uh, we can still have that kind of racing. And I think I want to say every time, every couple minutes, every few laps, we saw an overtake from a Haas and they still ended up yeah. way yeah. low on the grid yeah, because, because of their three-stop strategy. So. Them and the Alpha Towers, I feel like we're overtaking a lot. And Alpha Romeo. Or maybe getting overtaken. Yeah, Alpha I think Alpha Romeo was getting yeah. a lot of overtaking. Well, Joe was anyway. Bottas wasn't yeah. doing too much. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, again, like, if we can see that kind of action up and down the grid, that's really what we want. And we want more of it at the top of the grid, but... To see it up and down the grid uh, and um, watching it this weekend was pretty special. So uh, we'll kind of piggyback on that point about the overtaking. And I want to touch on the teams that brought upgrades this weekend and what we saw as a trend over the weekend and what we hope to see moving forward. So uh, we'll start with one of the teams that um, had a big redesign coming into the weekend that a lot of people were hyped about. And especially because one of their drivers is a home was a home driver here in Spain and that's Ferrari so they brought in a totally uh, redesigned like side pods and everything and aerodynamic change to their car which kind of took pieces from a lot of the different cars on the grid is which is what we're going to end up seeing right like obviously a lot of them are going to look similar to Red Bull because they're clearly have something right they're doing something right so there was aspects of the Red Bull there was aspects of other cars as well that are doing um doing well uh notably the alpine as well that they've been a design that people have have been copying but uh basically brought that car in they really hope for a good weekend and i would say half the half of the garage had a pretty good weekend uh charles did not have the same luck but (laughs) overall like the car looks like it still has that competitive bite on saturdays with carlos um, you know, putting it on the front row in qualities. That's something that was really promising to see. And we haven't seen that from him this season. So to see him go up on the front row is good. Uh, but all in all, the whole weekend, it's, you can't really be super confident in it with how much Charles struggled, right? Like he's clearly high up on, you know, Ferrari's list. He's their golden boy in a way. So to see him struggle and then Carlos you know, have a pretty solid weekend. He was, it was even more solid to show a little bit better race pace in, on a track that is known for degradation, right? So Ferrari this year has been known to be really poor on its tires. I think personally it was a little bit better on its tires, but um, they were kind of the first one that everyone was looking at this weekend. So what'd you guys make of, I mean, we'll start with, I guess the only side of the garage that you could draw any conclusions from, and that's Carlos. I, I don't think it's fair to really draw any conclusions from Charles' side just because he literally could not turn left in qualies. Yeah, <laughs> and it looked like it carried over into the race or something like that. Yeah, yeah. he never had it together. Yeah, he never quite made it. But for Carlos, even like lots of positives. Yeah. But even when it came to the race itself, it's just like the improvements the Ferrari made just got squandered by what Mercedes ended up doing. So it's like they take one step forward, two steps back against the competition. So... It yeah. it's like yeah, there's a lot of positives, but in comparison to the rest of the field, I feel like they are worse off than they were before the upgrades. Yeah, you know yeah what I mean? same. Yeah. I was gonna say pretty much the same. Like it looks, 
I mean, Charles obviously uh, having a, a horrible quality, but then you you look at like um, Carlos to hopefully bring in some positives starting on the front row, especially after like Lewis, you know, it was was on like it was a wait to see if Lewis was gonna push him off the front row, and Lewis ended up calling P five. So then you look at um, a chance for Carlos to have a good start and capitalize on a good quality, and then before you know it, after turn one, he's already down in like what was it like P four, P five? Oh yeah, he got overtaken by Lewis, and I think not like, in turn one, no. He it was, was it was like right off the start. No, at least it wasn't Lewis. off the start. No, no, no. Within the first few laps. It was Lando su- that sunk a lot off the start. But like he challenged yeah. Max into turn one and then Oh yeah. yeah. And, and then like he, his race pace bit. after yeah, that. Yeah, right. Lewis gone. Lewis was P three after turn one. And then I think Carlos stayed there for like you said, a couple laps. Yeah. But I mean at the same time, like um he didn't really last as long as we would have hoped. Well, exactly. Yeah. And like, that was the thing is they were bringing these upgrades, not necessarily for Saturday, but more for Sunday. What I, what I wanted to bring up to, to your point, James, is that like, at least they finish in front of Aston. Yeah. So like, that's, is a step. I think Merck just got it, like clearly got it really right for this circuit. It's also yeah. obviously, or sorry, not obviously, but it has always been a circuit that has been really good to Mercedes, uh, Spain. So it's something where like, you know, are we always going to see Mercedes this strong? I don't know. I honestly don't think so. I think Ferrari will have circuits that they're better at than yeah. this. And I do think the one major positive is that they were able on a full race distance to finish in front of both Aston. So I think that's like a little bit. And it's one of those things where this second talking point that I have here, we're going to be talking about each team's upgrades. And the big question here is, obviously, we can't answer it after one race, but have Ferrari taken a step to at least get in front of Aston? And then how much better is Mercedes now over the long run, right? So I think it's just interesting to say, like, at least they finish on race pace above a car that has been better on its tires the whole season yeah. in the Aston. And he was able to at least finish in P5 where, um, you know, starting P2, like you said, Varun, it was a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot to kind of a tough pill to swallow to be able to say like the best we could do today was P5. But when you look at how good the Mercedes was, it really was the best he could do this weekend. So uh, yeah, positives and negatives. I wouldn't say it was a bad weekend. It was obviously they would have hoped for more on the Sunday thing, but they still have, now they have a baseline that I think is like more workable than like before. I think if they would have had their old car here, he would have fallen even behind the Astons and maybe finished P7. So um, the fact Fair that you're still able to have that kind of race. It was just the fact that he was on the front row and his home race. You're like, I want yeah. him on the podium. Yeah, I want sure. some Spaniard on the podium. So well, uh, I guess it just kind of made it even more disappointing, the fact that it ended up... Being... And to Varun's point yeah. on, the, on the first lap, like he challenged Max into turn one. Excellent. It was, one of my, it was probably my favorite part of the race, that turn one, where like him and Max, they gave each other just enough room. Yeah. Epic battle into turn one. And I do want to say, I think it was Lance that was P3 in, into the first lap. And then Lewis ended up overtaking Lance, and Lance ended up falling back. Pretty sure Lance was P3 after the first lap. Because Lewis and Lando made contact, and I think yeah. Lance picked up the scraps and was in P3. Oh, yeah. No, because I remember, from what I remember, it was that, I don't know, I could be misremembering Because I remember Lewis was up in P3. And then he was trying to make a move on signs, but then signs backed up a little bit, which caused Lewis to back out. And then Lewis backing out caused Lando to lose his front wing. 
or like part of his front. Yeah, line. I know. And then after, like in the next few turns, Lance was able to overtake Lando mm-hmm. and Lewis. Yeah, Lewis. Yes. made contact. Yeah. But then, all the biggest storyline, which is what we'll get to next, is how amazing that Mercedes pace was on Sunday. Like they were faster than any other car other than Max. Yeah. And it wasn't just Lewis, it was George as well who was starting way out of position. Yeah. yeah. Um so like it just shows and with Lewis having a tough first lap with losing positions to Lance, he still finished P2 and he finished um you know four positions yeah. ahead of a guy that was fighting him on the first lap. So yeah. they look like after that race like the clear best of the rest from their upgrades. Yeah. But then Aston is giving theirs out in Montreal, right? Coming exactly. up. So that's kind of like what's where, the punch back. Yeah, it's like where it's like when a team pit stops early, it's like where's their true position? Yeah. Like where exactly are they? So well next, this weekend coming up we should actually see how if they truly are the the number two team. Yeah. But moving forward. The, but yeah, it was a big confidence builder for Mercedes this and weekend. It'll be the one year anniversary I think of Fernando putting on pole from last year. Was he on pole last year? I think he was on pole last year. He was. I, I remember he was no, front row. No, he was row. front row. He was Max was one. He was two. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was a big deal because at the, like last yeah. year we that was not what you would have expected. No, not the, no. He was Alpine last year. He was, he Alpine was, yeah, he was not in the cards yeah. for it for sure. No, you know, Aston wasn't even close to the uh, the front row last year, and that's what's also impressive. But yeah. no, I do agree with James, and this is like why it's the most exciting time of the year. This mid season, yeah. kind of battle for um, upgrades, battle for. Uh, what you're going to bring yeah, next. It's the, construction, bring- it's the constructor battle. Yeah. That's the part that we like really overlook, I find, as many fans. Sure. Everyone just likes to see the drivers. But the, like this the is development where the car... Battle. Yeah, the development of the car. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a close race coming in for the set, uh, like P2 and the construction yeah. standings. Yeah, exactly. I think there's like a 30-point gap right now between Mercedes and Aston, and then you have Ferrari. If they yeah. can get it together... 22-point like- or 18-point? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, 18-point gap. And then a 34-point gap between Aston and Ferrari. So Ferrari can, like, get consistent results from both their drivers because that's been the main problem for them. I think it's, like, yeah. it seems like every weekend it, they have one driver carrying the load for the team uh, because the other has, like, either crashed or, like, had a poor result in quality or just something's gone wrong for them. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, so the other point, too, that I wanted to bring back, which was, um, you know, James, you mentioned that, you know, it Mercedes clearly looks best of the rest. And again, that's on the Spanish circuit. Yeah, where as it, of as, as of, of right now, yeah, as of Barcelona. So we're gonna see some Aston Martin upgrades. We're also gonna see like how good does the upgrades for those other two teams fit into a track like Montreal, yep. which is very different than Spain. So uh, there's a lot to talk about there, and that's kind of how we'll end off the episode talking about what we see for Montreal. But uh, it's just so crazy to think that yeah, we've seen the punch back of Mercedes, and honestly, to see both of yeah. them on the podium. And it's weird to say this. It's so weird to say this, but see both Mercedes on the podium this early in the season after how they started the season and how long it took them last year to get on the podium. Yeah. It was such a welcome sight to see them because um, it wasn't like George has had a year like last year where he's consistently finishing top five and he's looking like one of the best drivers on the grid. He's had to struggle with the car just as much as anyone he struggled on Saturday this year, this weekend, yes, as much as anyone. Very unca- uncharacteristic he, of him. He, you know, the fact that he struggled on Saturday, and guess who else struggled on Saturday? Sergio Perez, mm-hmm. who's in the best car on the grid. We yep. There will be no argument in that. <laughs> Sergio is in the best car on the grid. George and him both start out of position on, on Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday morning, Canadian time. <laughs> Sunday afternoon yeah. in Spain. But George finishes ahead of him. 
Yeah. George finished had a comfortable margin. Comfortable margin. Mm-hmm. Three, um, four seconds. You know, it, it shows that, like, they've got something right here. It's it's not just, like, oh, George is out driving the car. Like, Lewis and George both on the podium. Yeah. They had uh, a great race. Lewis, obviously, driver of the day. But for me, uh, you know, if you're to pick a team that has looked so far like they've nailed their upgrades, it's got to be the Mercedes team. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think a lot of us have been wanting to see because going into Canada now we have how many teams that we could say actually have a, a legitimate shot at a podium. Whereas for the last five or for the first five or six rounds of this season, we were pretty much penciling in an Alonzo and two Red Bulls on the podium. Yeah, so, <laughs> seriously. Uh, so, I mean, while we might not have a great race at the top right now, it is absolutely epic to say that the places two and three on the podium are anyone's game out of those top four teams. As you mentioned, Vroon, you know, they're so close in that constructors battle. And I think, there's going to be a, a lot of um, battles to come for those podium spots. So really exciting. Um, also important to note that there was some other teams that brought upgrades to Monaco that look like they've got a little bit out of them at least. And one of those is our boys McLaren. They brought upgrades. Uh, they weren't really obviously able to show much in Monaco. And then this weekend we had uh, them both starting in the top 10 with Lando up in P3 for qualies and just to see that they can actually put themselves in that kind of a position yes, when seriously. there's this many competitive cars on the grid, even if it was just, you know, a really good day, which is what Lando said a lot in the interviews. Like, you know, Saturday was a, just a really good day. And, and then Sunday, obviously they didn't capitalize. Their pace was absolutely nowhere on the Sunday. Yeah, so a tough incident in turn one. too. Yeah. yeah. Tough incident in turn one. Like also, I mean, I think the pace itself first Sunday just wasn't there like whether it was the setup they had or kind of the upgrades they brought maybe maybe have affected them more on Sundays than they thought you know they're gonna have to get the car back into a window that's gonna compete on Sundays but the fact that they can actually qualify themselves that high is something that honestly I didn't think we'd see yeah, for a, a while this season yeah, so I didn't think it would happen at all this season and it really reminded me of like when McLaren was actually in a in the mix. contention for a win and like Lando was always in contention to be on pole and you kind of forgot at least maybe in the last like eight months we've really forgot like how great he is on Sundays and how you know if he has a car that has a chance for pole or at least the top two rows he's going to be in and around it so yeah. I think that was really really encouraging obviously the Sunday was really not encouraging but I think um, you know if they can tweak the car a little bit more to give them a little more uh little give them a little more in favor for the the races then it's going to be a good thing in the long run yeah, so some point finishes in the in the near future yeah hopefully and you know we've obviously seen for that battle for i guess fifth now in the constructors between them and alpine uh alpine's taken a lot of points recently so it'd be nice to see mclaren be able to challenge them a bit more and this is one way to do it for sure is to qualify that high up so um another car that we saw that was uh, a bit of a rocket ship this weekend was the Haas with Nico having a really another really good qualifying session. Unfortunately, they did like a three stop strategy in the race and it just was not it. And obviously that wasn't planned, but um, that's my, my next point here that I want to talk to you guys about. And it's really uh, top of mind when you talk about the Haas team this year uh, is the degradation. And, and Spain is normally a track where we see a lot of it and yeah. that's due to obviously the the 
the tarmac te- yeah. that's track, te- track temperature and just the heat of Spain. This year, the heat wasn't really there. It wasn't very hot this weekend, but they we still saw a lot of degradation. So it shows how how tough it is to get a car in a window that treats its tires so well. Um, you know, and I think it even just shows even more how this Red Bull car is one of the best you've ever seen because not only is it fast, not only is it reliable, uh, but not only can it be good on Saturdays, but it can also be good on Sundays because of the fact that it, it absolutely takes care of its tires. Yeah. Max just like can ease this car home basically the last few t- times. But uh, then we look up and down the grid and just crazy to see how hard it was to be able to get, uh, get, you know, be easy on your tires with, with these cars. So, yeah, big time. um, you know, I mentioned the Haas with a three stop strategy that essentially takes them just straight out of contention for any kind of points. Charles pitted after like 17 on the hards. Yeah. All, the hards also didn't look like it was the, the right racing tire, but he started the race on hards from pit lane and he literally pitted before Max did on the mediums. Yeah. And it's by, by a comfortable margin too. It was like six plus laps difference. I will say this race was probably the first one all year. Uh, you, you guys can jump in on this, but where I was like, I don't know what strategy everyone's yeah. on because I don't know a, like whose tires are getting treated. Right. Like I think for the most part in the other races, I could kind of get a gist of like, you know, usually a third of the grids on one strategy or, or half, half and half or something like that. This one, I feel like everyone was on a different strategy and like, it's very clear that you can't even take the Red Bull into consideration because like Max can start on mediums and be faster than everyone else on soft. Yeah, it so, doesn't matter. So for him, it's like, you can't really take him into consideration, but pretty much everyone else, I was like, there was so many points in the race where I was like, I don't even know where everyone's net position is right now because everyone's on such a wild strategy and i think that made for you know as a fan that really loves that part of the sport and i think to be an f1 fan diehard fan you really have to love that part of the sport when you're talking about who's on what strategy what what does this mean for the race uh and where are we all going to end up in the end i think that was one of the things that really kept me guessing this weekend yeah, because you actually saw a variation instead of option A, option B. Yeah, and you yeah. saw like someone was like making softs being thrown in. Like some people had one of each tire. Like yeah. when when do you ever get to see that? Never. Like, it's so rare that it actually happened. So yeah, it definitely kept you on your toes. Yeah, I thought we were just gonna randomly see some intermediates just for fun. Yeah, just thrown just in to, the mix. just to take the rainbow here. Just thrown in the mix. Um, but honestly, like uh, I I just think it it made this race so much more interesting because you saw guys making overtakes and you were like okay, he just made that overtake, but what does that actually mean? And you really had to think like, where is this going to make him sit by the end and how long are those tires going to last? So there was a lot of good racing up and down the grid. And what ended up happening is like people that made the right decisions with their tires, people that took care of their tires and people made that made overtakes at the right times really got rewarded. Uh, Like, you know, guys like Joe Guan Yu, that Alfa Romeo has been one of the worst cars this year, but he, he managed to really... You know, they're actually another one that brought upgrades as well these last couple of races, ah, okay. but that really wanted to help them in these high and medium speed corners. And that's what Spain is. So they were able to show that. And he was able to show, I think his, his best race of his career for me, I think he was one of the highlights of the weekend, seeing how he was on the Sunday. I think yeah. a lot of people really have doubted him from a racecraft perspective. Like how good is he at actually understanding like the flow of a race, especially coming from the back and trying to make his way up. That's one of the hardest things to do in F1. So showing this kind of a weekend, uh, I think 
some it's one that's going to stick with you know especially the bosses at Alfa Romeo but for me as well as a fan like this was a heck of a weekend for him I thought yeah. he was he was really 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 um well executed weekend and yeah, he was a, he was in it in a car that you know he really outperformed his teammate as well who's who's a really good not just like pace wise but also just responsible racing like if you yeah. think about the the like battle if you can really call it that with yuki yep. when he opted to like back out and take the escape lane on that one corner when yuki ended up getting the penalty it was just didn't force anything but out drove the car and did it in a smart way yeah and ended up getting a good result he, on, he honestly kind of like I don't even know if he had to go off, but he no. did. And, like, he made that decision, and it ended up getting his teammate a penalty. Almost like when you're in soccer and you, like, not embellish, but you took yeah. a little took a little nick. I and was, then I was surprised. Like, I thought they made contact with how, like, abruptly he went off there. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it if Yuki didn't get a penalty on that, but yeah. he did. And, like you said, it's like soccer where you can draw a call of it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was. That was one of the things I wanted to bring up was the – unfortunate incident with Yuki because he had a hell of a race too. Yeah. He was up yeah. there for it. And they then, were like the two I was watching yeah. I think the most. This it, it was race. always like them two plus a, a third. A Hass. Always Nico. All Nico the was time. Always, all the time. Yeah. It was sick. And then Martin Brundle calls him a Chinaman. <laughs> oh you? yeah. Jeez. Oh my god. Boomer. Boomer alert. Um, you can see he just fumbled his words after that too. Yeah, he oh was, my god. That was not good. I think he apologized actually. Yeah, after I that. think he did too. Um, yeah, my goodness. But yeah. no, I do agree with you, Varuna. It's not just the racecraft. And James, you bring up another point with the third driver coming in. I think it was a Haas. Yeah. Either, it was either Nico or Kevin. It was a Kevin, couple times. A couple times. Race, yeah. And I feel like Piastri was up there too. Mm. That was where a lot of like the battles were. And they ended up actually. At the time I was watching them, I was like, oh, these aren't going to mean anything for points. They ended up yeah. meaning a lot for the points. And like you guys said, he left a lot of room. I thought Joe was the class of that, those three. And obviously Yuki as well, I thought had a really good race. But yeah. those two guys really, um, yeah, stood out. And it was unfortunate because in my opinion, if you look at the weekend as a whole, you know, we're not going to touch on every little bit of it, but if you look at who deserved points, I think Yuki deserved points way more than Pierre deserved a P10 with how many he obviously got penalties in quality. I don't think his race was anything special either. So yeah, like unfortunate that he couldn't have stuck around in the points. And if points were, if points were given out on who deserves them, I think you should have at least 10 this year. Cause yeah. he's had a lot of really, really phenomenal races. So um, yeah, something that in a shit box of a yeah. car. That car stinks. Just put him in yeah. a different car, and you'd see like good results from. Yeah, more, more often than not. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where like I've thought about it a lot, and I didn't write it down for this episode, but we could kind of just jump to it before we go to our next, uh, go to go to our final point of the episode, and that is, do you think he could, even with this car, drive himself into contention of that second Red Bull seat? I was thinking about it like his development from what he was when he was a rookie to now, like just how like a, what a third of the way through his year three, he's been like, his maturing has been fantastic. Yeah. Like it's actually been insane. He still has those like outbursts over the radio that yeah. he definitely needs to work on. Cause that's maybe just that's his English he, though. <laughs> but may, yeah, exactly. It could be his English. Cause he said he's learned it from engineers yeah. throughout, throughout his life, how he just swears all the time. But like, maybe he also needs that fire when he's racing too. Like it, it could be a, a bit of emotions, a little bit too much. Well, he, he, you know, young needs it to race. Well, yeah. He's learning to manage it. But yeah, he's only like 22, 23. Yeah. So yeah, he has plenty of it. But and there's there's a chance, but who knows 
how he would perform with Verstappen by his side in the big team. Yeah, I know. So, it, like, it would be a crazy... But I don't see... I also think it would dynamic. be... Yeah, exactly. It would be a very much Gasly dynamic, but I don't see how he wouldn't be considered. Like, yeah. how... If he keeps by doing how what Marco doing. would look away. Yeah, yeah. After trying to like, groom him for Or so look long. over him. <laughs> yeah, that's easy but, to look over him, yeah. but you can't look away. <laughs> but you... Uh, what I want to say before... I'll pass you real quick for him, but... If you look at him this time last season, and obviously in his rookie year, but I want to bring it back to this time last season, he was going in the walls in Jeddah. He was going in the oh, walls yeah. in Canada. He has not really put a foot wrong this year. And that's, I think that more than like his swearing or anything like that is the sign of a mature driver is someone that can now be a leader. And that was a huge question mark coming into the season is could he lead this team? A lot of people did not think so. I was one of them. I, I, I was one as yeah. well, for sure. But he's leading this team by example and not really by, like, what he's saying, I don't think, in my opinion. Yeah. It's not about, like, what he's saying. It's what he's doing. And yeah. it's, like, he's also, I believe, has most of the time deserved, like, we're actually serious when I say. very consistent. He's been yeah. there, thereabouts to, to that. Those last three or four podi- or sorry points positions are rare very 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 hard this year with how tight how much more tight that midfield is yeah, so the fact that he's bringing i would say it, it if it's not the worst car it might be the worst car on some on some tracks yeah i would still say the williams bottom is worse three, bottom guaranteed. three for sure um with that and he's the fact that he's still fighting around the points is, yeah, is impressive exactly. so. yeah and also another thing this year that we've noticed how few safety cars there's been. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that, It's too, crazy. Man. So, like, he's getting these point chances yep. week in, week out, without anyone really dropping out of the order or, like, crashing out sort of thing. So, yep. yeah, he, he's been hella consistent, which we haven't seen in years past. So, yeah, I could easily see him being a choice for the Red Bull seat. Does it happen or not? To be determined. Like a thought. Either yeah, a thought exactly. Whereas Obviously I don't heavily think. dependent on who else is available, whatever their talent is at the time. But yeah. Yeah, okay. why not? And to go back to what we, like, we talked about this at the beginning of the year in our preseason predictions, talking about how he would react to taking on the a leadership role as being, like, the, the experienced, um, more, yeah, 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 experienced driver on that team. And part of me wonders, like, especially when we're talking about whether he could take that Red Bull seat, is, like, how drivers react or, like, how differently they drive just based on, like, their team circumstances. It's not anything to do with, like, change in skill or like more experience with the car yep. purely like their circumstances on the team because you saw Pierre Gasly like I just brought him up like go from a great driver to all of a sudden like seeming like he forgot how to drive when he got put in that Red Bull car and like part of it you could obviously argue is a difference in the car but I think yeah. there was just so much pressure to perform that it got to him and then you think of like Yuki last year when Gasly is his teammate and Yuki is clearly the number two on the driver on the team the one who yeah. has to fight to keep his spot because if, if someone's pushing for a seat, they're not getting Gazi's seat. They're getting Yuki's. And now you look at him this year where he's now the number one driver. He maybe doesn't have as much pressure on his back about, like, just keeping his seat because he knows he's relatively secure for the time being. There's already, like, I don't know if you guys have seen some rumors about, like, potentially looking at a replacement for DeVries. Yeah. I think our uh, friends over uh, from the Dive Bomb crew actually, like, posted an article about that. So I think, like, I wonder how much of that change in Yuki's demeanor comes from like understanding that he needs to take a leadership role or if it's just happening organically like he's not having those outbursts because he feels more comfortable just from not having guys he's his teammate and being the number one driver okay i love this point i actually love this point and i want to ask you guys i'll give you a few seconds to think about it before you answer who do you think yuki has to thank for being the team leader 
at Alpha Tauri. If you were to look at last year and how everything went down, and now Yuki's the it's one. Fernando Alonso. <laughs> Leaving Alpine, yeah. but who, getting before the Frenchman, that, before that, Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> in between that. <laughs> I don't know. I can't go In between that, I, because if, if there should have been someone else that... Oh, Oscar Piastri. Oscar Piastri. <laughs> you had three dominoes to choose from and you chose both the wrong ones. <laughs> but I honestly think he should go up to Oscar and shake his hand because those that that like chain that of bunch reaction. of events, yeah, chain of events is what made him that secure. And yeah. you make an amazing uh, point, and especially as somebody that has always been I think he's always been the underdog since he's been in the sport when naturally if you're if you are the teammate of someone that's so secure in their seat like Pierre was at Alpha Tauri, he was always trying to prove himself. Now, it's still trying to prove himself, but it's on a different level where he knows that, you know, he's probably got a longer leash than his teammate. And there's also the car isn't that great. So if you can outperform it, you can keep it on the road. You can be there when it matters. Yeah. Even without safety cars, if you can be there when it matters, it means a, a lot. And yeah, he's talking himself into the conversation. I don't think mm-hmm. he was ever in the conversation for a Red Bull seat, really, really, really. But I think he really uh, could be now. Yeah, so, and the progression that he's on. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, big props to you. It's obviously early in the season, but like I think it's just cool that we can even have that conversation about yeah. it. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted to give him his props. If, so yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad we got to chat about him. Yeah. To like continue on the point I was on, all I can say is that I think if he did end up getting a chance in that Red Bull seat. I hate to say it because, like, I obviously want to see every driver succeed, but I think he would have a really tough time because yeah. he would instantly go back to that same kind of scenario as he was in when he was Gasly's teammate, chasing but in a the car ho- yeah. on a whole different magnitude, being on, yeah. the, on the on the number one team, uh, being Max's teammate, having Christian. Yeah, and, like, and it would also be going back to what Red Bull was doing before Checo got on, which was taking young drivers, throwing them with yeah. Max. And expecting them to Trial like chase Max, fire. right? Like, yeah. Whereas they have an experienced driver like Checo, and now they've clearly gone a different road. So yeah, yeah it would Checo's be having his struggles now too. So yeah, it's... for sure. So it would be yeah, like you said, it would be a change in philosophy as well. It's not even just choose the driver because he's fast. It would have to have to be Red Bull changing their philosophy as like, okay, we believe this is what's best for the team moving forward. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Very interesting point. I love that little impromptu conversation. I think that was also a great way to sum up the Grand Prix as a whole. Um, real quick, I'll, I'll say just kind of my rating for it. I'll probably give it out of five. I'll probably give it like a 3.5. Like it was a good race. wasn't a great race, but I thought it was one of the, one of the better ones. I don't think like yeah. 3.2. I feel for, for a 25 second gap between first and second. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Three and a half star for yeah. Okay. This year. I, I was I like pretty bang on. tempted to be a bit more generous. Like I was just kind of, because yeah. your your vibe mercs are coming back, that's why. That and just like the fact that, like we talked about later or earlier in the episode, it was so difficult to predict the race. Like it wasn't a race where you watch and you're like, oh, which overtakes are just going to come out in the wash when, yeah. when these guys pit. Like you didn't know what was going to happen because you didn't know what strategy they were going to end up going with. So it other from, from everything after P1, it kept you guessing for the most part. I guess like P2 and P3 were kind of locked yeah. in as well. But um, just... In terms of like actually having something to watch in the midfield and the and the back markers, it was good. It was a good, entertaining race, and yeah. definitely more than I would have expected from Barcelona. So I think yeah. the, my rating is in part related to what I would Your have expected from this circuit. Fair enough, love it. All right, so we'll move on to our last point of the episode, and that's a little bit of a preview for this coming week. I honestly think, <laughs> honestly think, 
that this is the most anticipated race of the year other than other than round one and that's not just because we're going maybe it is just because we're going but but i do think we make we talked about early episode but the fact that we've seen the punches brought to the table in the development race from these teams that are fighting for podiums we get to see the punch back from the team that's been on the podium the most other than the red bull this season yeah uh from big papa stroll bringing the canadian money to the canadian circuit i think honestly this is going to be the most anticipated race of the year home grand prix obviously for for him and lance uh fernando's been buzzing so uh i think it's going to be one of the most anticipated races uh make sure you're following us over on our socials because we'll be posting a bunch uh, hopefully, again, that the re- weekend goes where we won't want to jinx it, but uh, everything's going to go as planned. And um, I just want to say, I think it's going to be a Ferrari circuit. I think it's going to be, I don't think they're going to win, but I think they are going to be the best of the rest. Uh, so I will say a Charles Leclerc bounce back weekend. Charles Leclerc podium will be my Canadian Grand Prix prediction. Okay. I like it. The The thing going into this weekend, Mercedes kind of has that confidence knowing that their upgrades worked. Aston Martin's a wild card. I'm going with the wild card. I have money on Fernando Alonso. Best of the rest. Ooh. Yeah. Best of the rest. Fernando Alonso. I, I will go a similar route, but I'll still spice it up as I like to do on these predictions. I'll go Lance Stroll podium. Wow. Lance Stroll podium and potentially... Wow. Potentially... A two, a double Aston Martin podium. Oh, okay, baby. that's a big. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, I'll mean, throw five bucks on it. Yeah, they. I mean, they they better be bringing the upgrades. Like they're the they were the team to beat as far as everyone except for Red Bull, and yeah. now they've just had their first challenge as far as Mercedes bringing something to the table. And now, like we've been saying all episode, what is their response going to be? Yep, it's the home race for basically the ownership and one of the drivers. And you could basically just say the team themselves. They have a fucking... I think they have a Maple Leaf on their car somewhere. Oh, it's on Lance's helmet. I think when they were... Maybe they have it on. Yeah, when they were racing point, I know they did. Maybe they will. Maybe they will now, but I think you guys make... It's a sound prediction. The double podium is obviously ambitious. That is ambitious. For the money payout, it's worth a $5 bet. Uh, However, you guys make a really good point because if you were to look at the characteristics of the Merc, which obviously we talked about being great in Spain, and the Aston Martin... Without the upgrades, we're now going to see an Aston Martin that's going to have upgrades and it's been better in a straight line and it's been better on these type of circuits. So yeah. I think they are a better bet than Mercedes, but you never know that Merck did yeah, look Yours really is also a very uh, a big bet as well, having Ferrari, where, the they, fr- where they look like they just haven't shown anything compared to their like that little top grouping yeah, I think, of those three teams. So. I think it's just they're... they're um, uh, car on a Sunday will have less of a struggle, I think, in Canada based on its characteristics than it would at like somewhere like Spain. So I just think if they can be anywhere close, and Charles is just, I've seen him have he's due, he's due, he's, and like usually when he has a bad weekend, he comes back with a good one. Uh, and he's yeah. so far behind Carlos right now, he does need a good weekend. Obviously, my heart tells me that Carlos will get to podium, but I'm gonna say Charles because I think in the the Formula One gods might treat him a little better uh, this weekend. So I'm just going to go with him. But I could see, like, my point was, too, is just, like, Ferrari. Ferrari, I think they're going to be one of the teams fighting for that okay. podium. I like it. Uh, and, yeah, I think that also banks for me. For me, that banks on Aston not having as good as they thought 
with their upgrades. So that's another big risk. Yeah, right? like I said, it was a wild card. We don't. It's know a wild card be. for sure. Don't so, know what it's going to be. So I think in the long run, it's like I think Ferrari and Aston are still better bets than Mercedes, which is crazy to Ooh, think because they just had such the a good weekend. weekend. Had, yeah, but um, this is just. Again, track characteristics. It has nothing to do with, like, if I was to go back to Spain, I obviously wouldn't pick Ferrari over them. But we're going to Canada. I think this is a Ferrari circuit. If there is a Ferrari circuit, I do think we're going to it next weekend. So, um, you know, okay. I, I didn't say a win, but I do think they'll be strong. So it's all going to be between, you know, those three teams in for sure for the podium. But let's see uh, how it plays out. And I yeah. cannot wait to go with you boys to another Montreal Grand Prix uh, very excited. Going to be a great weekend. Uh, you know, all of everyone out there, keep thinking, keep keep Canada in your in your mind as we all want to see a great race. So keep us in your in your mind and your prayers for uh, getting some good weather. And we will see you in Montreal. Keep following our socials for all the updates uh, from the Grand Prix. Our second time around, so we'll be a bit more familiar with everything so more lubricated this time. yeah a bit more lubricated just like a good pit stop <laughs> bonjour bonjour <laughs>